This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Adam Jones, Chris Beasley, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park. And what a week! What a week it's been, of course, and the, the fallout from Rafael Benitez's sacking continues. Duncan Ferguson, of course, confirmed as in caretaker charge for the upcoming game, starting with the visit of Aston Villa this weekend. So we will talk about that, of course. We will talk about the names. Uh, been chucked into the managerial uh, candidacy. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about Villa. We'll talk about Duncan himself, of course, having just done his preference, uh, press conference. And of course, another thing, a remarkable week, we'll talk about Farhad Mashiri increasing his shareholding at the football club and writing an open letter to supporters. Um, but Adam, I think the best place to start is, as usual, on the Royal Blue podcast on a Friday. Press conference from Finch Farm. Duncan uh, answering Several questions uh, and handling himself well as as usual. Um, what was your big take from from what Duncan uh, Duncan said? It's quite refreshing, wasn't it? It was you know in true Duncan Ferguson manner. I think it was very blunt in all of the uh, all of the answers he was given. You know there was no sort of no sort of shaking or hiding behind any anything at all. You know he, he talked about his message to the players. I think that was the most interesting bit of the press conference for me, wasn't it? When somebody asked him. Uh, do do it. Everton's players know what it means to play for Everton, and he kind of, you know, quite, quite, <laughs> quite ominously said they do now. Which, yeah, they which know is, now. Put it yeah, that way. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, probably a little bit of an insight as to what he's been drilling into them on the training pitch. But yeah, I thought I thought it was all was all quite refreshing, and you know, it, 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 it's very, it's it's very obvious that he knows what Everton fans want to see from his sort of appointment, isn't it? You know, Everton fans just want to see a, not really a back to basic sort of approach, but, you know, so something that, something that they can relate to, something that they haven't seen probably in a, in a good few months, years, perhaps, uh, you know, a, a style, a style of football that Duncan Ferguson knows he can bring one full of energy, aggression, passion, direct attack and football, solid defensive football. You know, it's, 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 it might be simplistic to talk about it in those, in those sort of terms, but that's the kind of stuff that Everton need right now. And Duncan Ferguson was getting that message across quite well. And, you know, as you, as you've quite rightly said there, I think he, he come across very well. He was very respectful to Rafa Benitez. I thought he didn't really want to speak about the problems that have gone in the past. He only wanted to focus on the future, which I thought was good. Uh, he obviously was asked about the managerial situation, which we'll get to in a bit. And I thought he was quite respectful when discussing that as well, and you know all the rumours that have surrounded that. So yeah, all in all, I thought it was a thought it was a really good press conference from Duncan Ferguson, to be honest. Chris, you could almost hear the sound of thousands of Evertonians just just like raising their fists and go, "Come on, Dunk!" When he said, "You know, I know the players now know what what's expected." You know, put it that way. Um, was that was that the standout line for you? I mean, that's the most emotive one, and in these situations, and look, Dunk isn't doing that cynically. That's just Duncan yeah. heart on his sleeve, and as Adam says, he's he's probably the the antithesis of a Roberto Martinez in press conferences. There's no colour, there's no flower. He's straight to the point. Um, yeah, and uh, I think that's what you know, as we all know, what you see is what you get with um, Duncan Ferguson. Whether <laughs> um, he's talking about the Everton job or just in in general, <laughs> whenever you're in his presence. But yeah, that's the sort of shot on the arm that um, 
Everton need they needed that in December 2019 when they, uh, you know everyone was on the floor, bottom three after the five-two derby defeat against Liverpool and uh, Marco Silva, who'd been a very introverted character. It was the end of his reign, so that worked an absolute treat for that that Chelsea game. And Everton are obviously hoping for something um, very similar tomorrow. Uh, we can move on to this, but I think it's it's uh, very different over a long period. You know, if you're talking about half a season that we've still got left now between um, the, the tomorrow's fixtures and uh, what, what remains. And, you know, and nobody has mentioned about what at the moment is, it's it's very much a, a caretaker temporary role rather than, you know, any sort of longer interim. But yeah, for that short term shot in the arm, I said that kind of adrenaline feeling. I mean, you, it's impossible to maintain that over a prolonged period. And you need more than that. But certainly, yeah, at the moment, after having, you know, they former Liverpool manager who ends up actually getting sacked because he's won one out of 13 games. Um, it needs it, it needs that morale boost, doesn't it? We heard about how the chairman was up at Finch Farm this week speaking to Duncan and his staff and sort of um, had a word with them and um, tried to, to raise spirits and sort of emphasise the need for um, just uh, everyone singing from the same hymn sheet and um, that togetherness at the club again and uh, Duncan Ferguson will certainly provide that uh, tomorrow against Aston Villa Gavin we'll come on to it now and I want to sort of ask you your opinion and your belief about Duncan Ferguson's suitability for the job permanently now Chris makes a very valid point about you need more than just um, a shot in the arm type coaching mentality over a course of season, a season or season, more than you know, more than you could have over a few games. But if you look back over the last couple of seasons since Duncan took charge in that caretaker spell, and you and you try and list the most memorable performances Everton have put in, the most ten most memorable performances Everton have put in since December nineteen, you would say that that, that Chelsea at home would be right near the top that Duncan took charge yeah. of. You'd say United away would probably be in there. And Duncan's only had four games, and half of them will be would probably be in most people's lists. Yeah, I think you've got to remember the COVID thing as well as deprived us of crowds, hasn't it, in that time? So, um, yeah, yeah, well, there hasn't been many, has there? Um, in terms of his suitability, well, I mean, the obvious thing against that, he's got no management experience, has he? And he said that himself today, that, in fairness. That's the thing. I... And that goes massively against them. I can't think of, I'm trying to think, has anybody managed the club in the Premier League for the first time, first management appointments in the Premier League club age 50? There's probably a few knocking about. Um, it's not something that happens very often. Um, so that, that goes against them uh, for me. Uh, I'd also say, and if, this can go two ways, isn't it? The fact that he's been under six different coaches or managers or whatever, that that's good in that he's gained experience, but bad in that actually he's been around the parish while we've been failing all the time. Um, so that that can work go work both ways. In terms of in terms of the other plus points, he obviously has been at the club a long time. He knows the players, so he's not an outsider coming in. Is he? he knows work with the players closely. Um, there was an interesting article yesterday about whether this thing about knowing the club is actually just a big fallacy. You know, it's just, what does that mean? You know, 
Um, it means probably not in the great scheme of things. Um, so I don't necessarily think that go, goes in his favour. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, if, you, if you was to be offered the job permanently, it's a massive gamble, isn't it? I think. Um, my personal opinion is I think there's better candidates out there. Um, I also think that goes against him for me is why hasn't he gone outside and being a manager? If he's got designs on being a manager, is coaching a Goodison for the best part of a decade now? In that time, if you want to be a manager, you shouldn't have gone away and uh, ain't your spares elsewhere. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's that's that also says its own thing, really. Maybe in the interest of balance, Duncan would argue that he's picked up so much from working alongside Silver, Ancelotti, Cumin, Benitez, etc. Well, you know, just just out of balance. I did say that, it. you know, that, that yeah. goes for and against you, doesn't it? You know, mm. he has gained a lot of experience under different managers with different styles, but at the same time, he's also been in that sort of, mm. you know, that, he, that period he, of failure. He's also seen what they've done wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and also what they've done right. Yes. Um, so that I say that that's sort of been in the round. Can, there's there's pluses and minuses to that. Mm. It's just generally the lack of management experience to me because it's such a big Premier League job is a big job at any club yes. really. Yeah, you know, and um, especially at Evan, especially where we are at the moment. So suitability, it's a uh, questionable, isn't it? Really, if you were if you were to um, Provide a one-word answer. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, where do you stand on the knowing the club element to this discussion? Because this also pertains not only to Duncan, but to Wayne Rooney, who we'll talk about in a bit. Personally, I'm a little bit conflicted, but edging towards, well, we've tried bringing in the best available. We've tried people with the great CVs, the, the, the guys who've won everything, the guys who've been successful at other football clubs, and it hasn't worked. Maybe it is time to just bring it in-house, almost, in inverted commas, and try something different. And try somebody, because maybe for me, yeah, you know, people would, would sort of say, well, what does knowing the football club actually matter? But Duncan's has played for the football club, and he understands what, the supporters want to see. And we know how important the relationship is between the stands and what goes on the pitch. And as, and as emotive and as wishy-washy as that might sound to some people, when there's a disconnect, it matters and it makes a difference to me. Um, so where do you stand on, on that whole subject? Well, I think you've got to say that the, the fact still stands that the only managers that have ever won a trophy at Everton are former players, aren't they? So uh, I, I think that's... <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's probably just a, a weird little quirk in the in the history of Everton, but you know, it's 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 still a fact that no no manager since has been able to to sort of shake off. And you know, if Duncan Ferguson was to perhaps take over for the rest of the season, for example, he'd still be in. He's still in the FA Cup as things stand, so he could he could he could potentially carry that tradition on if he if he was successful enough. I think on the other side of things, though, like this is this is something that probably doesn't just relate to the managerial position, is it? You know, there's there's people who have been saying for a number of weeks, months, years that there's a sort of jobs for the boys sort of mentality around Everton at the minute. You know, we've seen now 
Graham Sharp appointed to the board of directors is probably the latest thing that's got people mentioning that phrase and pointing the fingers a little bit. It, 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 in terms of the manager, though, I think I, I do think it, it is a little bit different, and I do kind of fall down on your side of things where I'm. I am now like, well, we've we have gone down. We've gone down multiple routes. You know, we've gone for the successful managers. We've gone for the young up and coming uh, sort of managers that that could try and uh, that could try and change things around. I think obviously, like d- different extenuating circumstances have meant that that hasn't necessarily worked. You know, realistically, not working well with the director of football, and you know, not not having a not having Marcel Brands being able to do the kind of job that he was appointed to do uh, probably feeds into all that. Uh, but for Duncan's suitability, I just think it, it, it really depends on what Everton really wants in the long term. What is what is Everton's plan? We've obviously got this strategic review happening at the minute, which is, you know, I think that's the overarching thing that Everton kind of needs to sort out first. They need to decide this sort of long-term strategy. Are they going to appoint a new director of football in the future? Uh, what are the, you know, the instant plans for next season, the next season, the next season? To try and build Everton both on the pitch and off the pitch. If Duncan Ferguson is the kind of profile of a manager that could fit into that strategy, then why why not? Like why why couldn't he be considered about it? I know I know what Gav's saying in terms of his you know lack of experience, and obviously as you said, he admitted to that himself. But I do think that at this point, any manager is going to be a risk. It's not as if it's not as if Wayne Rooney's got a wealth of experience, for example, uh, just just from his brief periods of time at Derby. Uh, so it, it it is a really tricky one, but I, I probably I probably would uh, would fall down to what you you were saying in that sense in terms of you know we have tried everything else. We might we might as well give this a go now because I do think anything's going to be a risk at this point. Please um Gav, I'll come back to you because I know you've got some interesting points on Graham Sharp being a board member. Um Chris, uh, the idea that we we would go for a new manager who may not have much experience, i.e., Duncan or Wayne, um, but they understand the football club. They've played. They are fans. What? Where do you stand on that that whole narrative? Um, yeah, I think it is um, an, an important point, but I think they're two very different points because, uh, uh, sorry, two different cases for the two individuals, um, the two Evertonian candidates, as it were, the Duncan Ferguson and Wayne Rooney. As we've said, Duncan himself admitted today, um, said he he, he wasn't um, experienced enough. Um, he, he, he was, it was quite illuminating, that what he said, because it made me laugh, actually. One of the questions that was um, put to him today, talking about him coming up against Steven Gerrard, was it was two young managers. And um, Duncan Ferguson's 50 years of age, as Gav has pointed out. He's mm. the same age as Walter Smith was when Walter Smith was appointed Everton manager. And Walter Smith had um, won seven titles in, with Rangers or something like that. He's one, year le- he's one year less than Howard Kendall was when he came back for a third stint as Everton manager. He's not a young man. Um, young in experience, him. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe that's what he meant in two sort of managers new to the Premier League game. But... Mm. Yeah, so there's Duncan Ferguson. I mean, Ever- we talked about Everton's trophy-winning managers being former Everton players. That I think, apart from Catrick, second time round, they were all younger than what Ferguson was. Now they tend to be younger men. I mean, Howard Kendall won the the cup, the um, Cup Winners' Cup, and the league all before his 39th birthday. So 
Um, yeah, it's it's strange that. Whereas Wayne Rooney, if flip it round, people are saying, well, he's not ready. He's 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 too ex inexperienced. But he's done what Ferguson hasn't done, as we've mentioned already. He's gone out there, got his hands dirty, gone into the lower divisions, and started off in very difficult circumstances. We mentioned it earlier in the week in the pod. What a basket case of a club Derby County is, unfortunately. Make Everton look like a slick, wild machine. This is a one of the like Everton, one of the founder members of the Football League, and they could be going under. They're an absolute crisis club. Um, now they he's had, he had Phil Jagielka there with him. He said to let him go because they, they with the administration, the problems how they're going to pay the bills. Yeah, he he, he has had an absolute baptism of fire, uh, you know, in in, um, in football management. And for somebody who's been at the elite of the game all through his, his playing career, more or less, you know, true global star, he's shown that, you know, he's not concerned, you know, go in, I'll learn it, you know, the hard way at, at Derby County. And, you know, we're performing a miracle there. And if it wasn't for that 21-point deduction, they'd actually be um, safely in mid-table in the championship. So... For me, yes, as Adam said, everyone's a risk at the moment. This situation with Everton and the uh, fact that they're a lot closer to the relegation zone than they should be, yeah, every candidate out there is a risk, as is Rooney. It's come sooner than I would have liked for Wayne Rooney, but I think these things come to a head, you know, when the opportunities arise, you've got to grasp them. And the more I think about it, the more I'm coming around to it, he's, he's my preferred candidate and I think he'd be the one I'd go for. Gav, before I get your thoughts on Rooney specifically, um, Adam mentioned this idea that there's been a feeling amongst certain sections of the fan base that Everton has become a, a club, you know, jobs for the boys and the reference in Graham Sharp uh, yeah. being added to the boardroom. But, you know, we spoke off uh, off camera a couple of weeks yeah. ago. You've got you've got really quite a strong point about Graham being a point. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think, you know, he's a non-executive director, so he's not involved in the general day-to-day running of 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 the business. Um, I think he, you know, people say, oh, jobs to the boys, Graham will be a yes man and stuff like that. Well, what people, you know, and Graham is being into, you know, is, you know, does a lot of interviews and PR. I mean, what Graham says in those interviews, what he says in the privacy of the boardroom could be two complete, two completely different things. This is a post for, for Graham to make the best out of it, really. And I only know Graham a little bit. Um, but he's certainly not short of his, you know, expressing his views uh, strongly. Um, you know, he's obviously a big personality because he was in a session room with big personalities. So, you know, Graham is eminently capable of sitting in a boardroom and strongly arguing his case over over many things. I don't, I don't think he's just going to be sitting there for, as a nod, northern dog. And he, he himself may see it as an opportunity to to be influential within the club. Um, and he, you know. He's been involved around football for a long time. Do the thing as well. People say, "Oh, well, we don't." You know, obviously, there's communication today, but far hard. But you know, Graham's been fan liaison officer. He's got the air of supporters, so that's a channel, isn't it, to air and views into the into the boardroom. Plus, he's um, you know, he's a celebrated former player, and it's not unusual for for, for companies to you know to make it like a bit of a PR appointment as a non-executive. When you got to look across the park there at Liverpool, haven't you? Um, so I, I get the jobs for the boys thing, but what I don't get is actually it's you're underestimating Graham by saying he's just going to sit there in a boardroom and you know drink his tea and you know not contribute. He you know it's well within his gift and his ability, I think, to to be a a 
influence in a positive way in the dressing room. And 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 also as well, I think it, you, you touched on this, Phil, in your article a couple of weeks ago, is at the same time, that has to be part of a little bit of a shake-up of the boardroom and bringing some new blood in as well. Yeah. Um, I think, the you know, I've said before on the pod that the challenges of the club, both in terms of its, you know, moving to Bramley Moor and, you know, business as usual stuff are, are massive. And I think that the board boardroom needs a little bit more bandwidth. And um, that's not criticising the abilities of the people there at the moment. That's just basically what I think is in terms of what we need. Uh, and I um, I think Graham could be a good part of that. And it's within his gift to to ensure that happens, isn't it? I, I think it's wrong just to assume, oh, another appointment. Uh, just sit there doing doing nothing jobs for the boys. I, I don't think that's got, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah, well, I hope it doesn't happen. And Graeme, I'd say Graeme's capable of being a, a, a big influence. So can I yeah. just interject to say, um, I concur with Gavin in that we've had the, we've, Gavin, we've, people have asked for, you know, new blood on the board and in comes Graeme Sharp. They mo- fans moan about that. They've asked for um, fans' input at board meetings. They're going to get that now. They've moaned about that. They've moaned about who, which fans have been appointed. They wanted to hear from Farhad Mashiri, and I know we'll go on to this. He might not have said what you want him to say or gone in the way you'd want, yeah. gone about it the way you'd want to say it him. And I moaned about that today. So I know Evertonians have had to put up with a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. more than a lot of fan bases should have to do. And it's been a miserable time for them. But you've had three examples of things happening at the club, kind of what everyone asked for. And then they're still whinging about that. Yeah. I haven't watched, I haven't watched Graham for 10 years, 10 years uh, going back to his reserve days. He's, he's more than capable of saying what he thinks. <laughs> sort of quite a bit as a player. Uh, you know, he was, in fact, that, that was actually, once he reined that in a little bit, because he was volleyball on the pitch, he, he became a far better player. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's an intelligent guy and he, he's been around, you know, football for a long time. Uh and I think he's, as I say, he's, he's more than capable of doing a, an effective job in the, in the boardroom. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, just speaking about boardroom, so we come back to Rooney. Obviously, Farhad has written an open letter to support saying so we'll come on to that next. Um, unequivocally backing the board as it stands. No mention in that letter at all about expanding it, although we believe that's, that's still under sort of the plan, but no mention of that officially. Um, um, but yeah, in, in terms of, of Rooney, um, Gav, I'm sorry, sorry to flip back. Yeah, and Chris made the point I meant that, yeah, we should reference that this week on the pod. Um, football club in the e- ESSG uh, confirming this week that a fan advisory board will be put in place by the end of this season and a commitment from the football club uh, to have fan representation at board meetings. So that's something we can discuss in a bit more detail as we go on. But yeah, worth flagging that up. Uh, Gav, just quickly then, uh, before we move on to Farhad, thoughts on Rooney? Um, I've had, on Monday, I was a little bit flummoxed about who should be the next manager, um, to be fair, and sat firmly on the fence. Um, but the more I think about it, and I thought about this a while back, about who should be the next coaches. If Everton are going to progress to where we want to be, it can only happen in two ways, I think. Somebody gives the club an extra £200 million a year to complete with the big boys, and that's not going to happen. The other thing is, we make an appointment of a coach who's a bit of an unknown quantity, who actually could turn out to be you know, an absolute top-class coach. We just don't know about it yet. And um, 
Wayne could actually fit in with that, you know, within that criteria. And that he's he's unknown, but he's he's already shown his wider management skills at Derby County. And from what you believe, he connects with the players and stuff, and that's that's really important now, isn't it, for the manager? And the more I think about it, the more I think it makes sense. On an appointment, not as a former player, but that he's a, it, it, it's a bit like Pochettino's a little bit down more down the coaching line at, when he got appointed Spurs manager. I know he was, he was a, you know, a little bit, you know, he managed in Spain, he'd done a year of Southampton, but he was still relatively unknown, you know, in terms of capability. And Wayne Fitz is probably like a few years behind uh, Poch, but it could work fantastically in our favour if he turns out to be a hugely gifted and capable coach. Um, and that could be one way of really closing the gap, in a bit like Spurs did. And um, the more I think about it, the more I think that that actually makes a lot of sense to point on that on that basis. Um, because, and that's what, okay, but the alternative, it, it, it fails, but actually we've had loads of failures anyway, another one's not going to make a lot of difference. And you'd like to think as well that Wayne would get more time because of who he is. And, um, you know, that he, and also as well, having been a young player at the club, maybe he understands how that sort of pathway, well, which he didn't have really, did he? Went from the under-11s to the first team, didn't he? I think. <laughs> um, you know, you know what I mean? So that, that so he has experience of that further down the club. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's an appointment that increasingly, for me, makes a lot of sense in that it's a gamble, but actually it could pay off in absolute space if it if it goes right, which a lot of the other people I'm looking at probably is not going to happen. Mm. Adam, I don't know. What do you think? I wrote, I wrote about it um, earlier in the week and it was something I was just thinking about. Actually, well, and it just sort of, you know, ideas spilling out and wrestling with my thoughts a little bit, but I was just sort of using over the idea whether as whether Wayne, as a former player of, of fairly recently, and for the generation of players at Everton, he will have been a player that many will have, some will have played with, of course, but will have looked up to. And I just wonder whether somebody of that profile is going to have a voice that resonates louder and for longer with this group of players. Because we've seen what happens under Carlo and Rafa. Things tailed off into different degrees and, and ultimately it hasn't worked and, and Coombe, etc. I just wonder whether is that part of the direction the club have to go in that they go for a younger player with not a CV of managerial strength, but actually what he's done on the pitch relatively recently. Mm, I think that that's he's certainly got the potential to do that, hasn't he? And I think that's a that's a really good point. And you know, I think what what Gav is saying there as well, the the, the fact that he's almost an unknown quantity could could essentially work in work in Everton's favour down the line if he if he does uh, turn out to be a really really good manager. I think I, I think if Everton were to go down this route, they'd be smart to get a good team around him. I think you know keeping somebody like Ferguson on would probably be a good shout in this sense. You know maybe having Leighton Bain step up to be you know that similar sort of voice of you know a, a, somebody who's known Everton for so long over the past few years he's done a bit of work with the youth levels now so he so he knows uh, the youth players inside out he can he can bring that sort of knowledge up to the first team as well uh, I, saw, I saw some reports of maybe bringing 
somebody like Lee Carsley in to 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 help out in that sense, which I didn't th- I don't think would be that bad an idea. But whether That'd he'd want to leave idea. an England under twenty one role to come and be only what would essentially be an assistant to Rooney in that in that sense, you know, I think that that might be a little bit questionable, but. Yeah, I think I, I think in general sense with with Rooney, I, I do agree with the lads. I think it was a very, you know, on, on Sunday night, I think we were we were all left a bit flabbergasted about who, who was who was going to be next because you know Everton have just tried so many different avenues over the past few years. Uh, it does seem like it's going to be a sort of a a younger, you know, perhaps less experienced sort of coach to to take Everton forward. Uh, I still think you know somebody like a. Nico Kovac or somebody, somebody like that. I think that would be someone, someone good to have on Everton's list. Uh, I still think, you know, in in ideal circumstances, somebody like a Graham Potter would be the ideal candidate. But you know, he, he wouldn't leave Brighton at this point to to come to a club like Everton with the way it's being run at the minute. So you know, some somebody like somebody like a Wayne Rooney would probably be quite high up on my on my list at the minute and it's not just because he's a former Everton player it, it is as you say he's a he's you know he's a player who's won so much in recent history as well as you say a lot of a lot of Everton squad will have seen Wayne Rooney uh, at, at his peak winning all those trophies being a fantastic player for you know Everton and then Manchester United and England as well so you know maybe that will resonate with with some of those players and maybe we'll be able to to get that message across, and as Gav says, hopefully uh, you'd think he'd be given a little bit more time if uh, if things didn't quite go to plan uh, right from the start. And Chris Adam talks about you know I was all talking theoretically and, and hypothetically mm-hmm. here, but you know talking about there may be a, a requirement to build a good team around Rooney. Should that be the direction the club go in? Would that have to include the director of football? Because we're awaiting the outcome of the strategic review. The football club VFR had today have said that the managerial search will be aligned with that. But what comes first, they haven't said. Details very thin on the ground. It's just, we'll tell you when it's ready, but yeah. they're going to be connected. Yeah, not not for me. Um, we've discussed this before. And I can understand where you came from because obviously Wayne Rooney is a very um, young man and um, inexperienced and we've just discussed all that. But for me... I prefer the traditional model, the way that David Moyes operated with at the club for over a decade and that he was all-encompassing. He was the man training the team. He was the man picking the players through um, through the recruitment process. I, I think, OK, the model works well and is the accepted model on, on the continent. But for, for Everton, I, I prefer to have um, one man making the, the decisions. Um, I think part that was part of the problem with Marcel Brands, whatever you... you you thought of uh, Marcel Brands, and I know Neville Southall was very scathing of him when he spoke to me this week. But Marcel wasn't able to sort of fulfil his, his remit to a certain extent, as you as you well know, Phil. Um, the the players who he targeted, or um, the way he wanted to operate as a director of football, he wasn't able to do. And you say, well, that's Everton's fault. Maybe we'll have to get it right next time round and deploy your director of football in the proper manner. But just personally, I'd, I'd rather have. I think that if you're the manager and you're um, responsible for bringing in the players, you you know what you want and um, you can go and get them and it, and it rides in your head. So for, for me, um, no, I, I I wouldn't want a director of football at Everton. Uh, I think the two times they've had that in the in the recent past, it's, it's not worked well at all. 
Okay, interesting stuff, chat. So before we uh, we obviously come on to uh, predictions to talk about the game, <laughs> an important game as well. Um, Fahad Mashiri uh, issued an open letter uh, to supporters today, Gav, uh, with also the accompanying news that um, he has taken up the option to purchase uh, 33,333 more shares, uh, sure. taking, his, taking his shareholding to 94.1%. And that equates to another hundred million pounds that have lo- of loans that have been turned into equity. Um, get your thoughts on two strands of that. One, Farhad's message and the fact that he's you know he says he's a private man, but felt the need to communicate. And secondly, the fact that he's increased his, uh, his stake in the club. Yeah, um, the last one first. Yeah, it's it's not new money, is it? Just I think a few people said oh, I've got a hundred million pounds to spend. It's just an alien accounting. Uh, uh, transaction really, um, yeah, he's got got ninety five or ninety five percent is it's a lot, isn't it? Don't know whether he's after the hundred percent. Don't know whether that could happen. Um, yeah, it shows his shows his commitment. Um, so that with the great scheme of things, though, it's not ma- massive. I would say um, regarding his communication, long overdue, isn't it? it? Just shows you that some you know you can do some really small things that make a big difference, can't you? And the general response has been quite welcoming, isn't it, from supporters um, that he's actually chosen the official route. So simple, isn't it? <laughs> you know, con- compared to the, you know, quite right, the, the, the criticism we had by use and, shall we say, alternative uh, channels in the past, and this should be uh, the way forward for him, really. Uh, as regards the message, there was some some important things in there. I, I thought that aligned, you know, you, you get the impression that this strategic Review is far more down the line than what people think, don't you? Really, I suspect um, that's the first thing. The second thing is obviously it appears to be done by the, the 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 by far had on the board as well, doesn't it? Um, I think he said that, um, and and I say it was quite interesting that they want to align that with any management appointment. So I thought that was interesting, um, and also I thought the you know the bit about fan engagement, which was I think right at the end, wasn't it? I think was also. Quite interesting um, how that will pan out. Just imagine a massive Twitter spaces, <laughs> fifty thousand people on, you know, all trying to talk. Uh, yeah, it could be interesting, but yeah, I, I, forget about the the detail. It was the fact that he he chose official club channels. That was the the welcome thing for everybody, really. Um, yeah. And that was it was long overdue, and just it's a lesson for him really that actually sometimes just the simple things that you do as a, as an owner can have massive uh, massive impact. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, um, obviously, I don't know, Gav's just uh, reminded me of another line that came out today. Obviously, it's our information that uh, the club intend to change their articles of association to remove any obligation to have annual general meetings, but the club feel that they can engage more often and with more fans, not just shareholders, as a result of this. And, and, and their plan is to explore that as an option and, and do something more regularly, almost dismantle the one-off general meeting and do more things regularly uh, both in person and online so that's just something to look out for on the website adam thoughts on on farhad's um, public statements and, and message today yeah I, i've got to agree with you know the general point that gav was making there i think it was just 
really, really promising to see Farhad Mashiri come out through the club channels, the official club channels, and and do this in the right sort of manner rather than uh, the the ways that he's done in the past, which I, I suppose we don't need to uh, we don't need to go over again. I think the stuff that you said about the general meeting there is is actually quite interesting because I've been having this discussion with a few people on social media today. I just think it's a very strange move for me for, from from Everton. You know, I think you know the the general meetings haven't been perfect in the past. I think especially you know with Farhad Mashiri not turning up to the last in person one at the very least. You know, I think I do think they they could have been modified in some way to make you know some level of scrutiny a, a little bit more a little bit more fair, I suppose, to to some of the minor shareholders. But to take that away, I just think is. Is very strange, and you know the club. I, I understand what the club is saying that they want to appeal to a, a wider range of supporters and do it more regularly. But you can do that anyway, can't you? You don't. You don't have to take take out the general meeting to be able to have that wider engagement with supporters. I don't think it should be an either or scenario in that sense. You can still have the. the I think it's a different level of scrutiny that a general meeting brings with you know minor shareholders who have a stake in the club and obviously want to get their views across it's a, it, it it's a different level of scrutiny than you would expect from um, you know supporters who who don't have share like minor shares in the club so i just think it's weird that you wouldn't want to run both side by side really so it's it, it would be interesting to see uh, how the club go about doing these you know more regular as as they say sort of sort of events with with a wider range of supporters i, I, I will i will watch with interest to see how how they're gonna how they're gonna take place and as as you did like allude to as well Everton aren't ruling out ever having a general meeting again they're just ruling it ruling out you know, the obligation that they that they have to hold a yearly one etc so you know perhaps they will still hold general meetings in the future and it won't and it won't uh, really impact much but I do I do think that the kind of route that has been suggested with that today is just just hasn't hasn't really sat well with me to be honest. Yeah, always going to be a contentious move, wasn't it? And I can imagine that many fans uh, uh, echoing Adam's thoughts this afternoon when reading that story. Okay, let's look forward to the game uh, before we wrap up. Bees will come full circle. Duncan Ferguson said, well, so he's asked, do you make changes to the team for the Villa game? And he basically said, of course, you have to. We've been losing games, so there will be changes. So two-pronged question for you, Bees. What do you think the team is going to look like? And then give me your Okay. Um, well, it's interesting because it, uh, didn't um, Duncan play four four two against Chelsea? Um, but then Everton looked woefully ineffective playing four four two last weekend. I suppose you could uh, put Richardson up top instead of Rondon alongside Dominic Calvert Lewin. So yeah. I, I certainly think that that's going to be a personnel change, and you'd imagine Yeri Mina um, starting in, in in the back four after looking. Uh, well, relatively um, secure after he after he came on at, at Carrow Road, so they'd be the they'd be the main change. I think it'd be more a change in the the way they sort of approach the game. Everton at all season, even when results were going well for Rafa Benitez, haven't started on the front foot. They've been lethargic, and it's the old chicken and the egg with the crowd. Who gets who up from what? But you've got to hope that, that you know the crowd are going to be on top of them from the start. They're going to be willing them, you know, with great gusto from the start. So you've got to hope there's going to be a, a much more the tempo um, um, sort of display. I mean, you could see that in those little snippets from training this week, the clips with Duncan Ferguson. He was saying, up the tempo, up the tempo. And that, that's what you want. You want Everton on the front foot from the start. A real sort of high-energy kind of 
performance in terms of um, a result prediction. You've got, let's all just be positive in these situations, and I'll say two one Everton. Lovely, yeah, Gav. I, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined very much to agree with Bees. I think you go four four two, and it'll be Richarlison, Calvert Lewin, and it'll be a a hark back to December 19 as much as we possibly can. Um, how do you think he's going to line up and, and how do you think it'll, it'll finish? Yeah, I think a couple of the subs from last week will be on. Just having a look, actually, there might only be three players who... Um, outfield players tomorrow who may feature, who, who, who are the only ones surviving for the 2019 game against Chelsea. Wow. Um, including, I think, none of the midfield for that day. Um, so it's interesting. I think Keane's place is under jeopardy, you know. Yes, yeah. You know, I, I think Mina may come in for Keane. It was one of the Bond survivors from 2019. I expect Mina to come in for Keane. Being interesting what he does about the right back. Um, three midfields. Yeah. Because there's a French fullback who'll need to keep tabs on. I don't know if you've yeah, heard yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, Three in midfield, but who's your third one? You know, Decore, Alan, what Gomez? And yeah, Paul, last week, Gomez. Uh, mm. Townsend, maybe. Well, I think he might, might see 4 4 2. Uh, yeah. I think again tomorrow. Um, it'll be, be interesting to see how we, how that shapes up, really. Well, I think Richarlison for Rondon's an obvious one, isn't it, really? Um, and I just. I think I think Mina Fakir is definitely. I'm just wondering whether Coleman Coleman gets a shirt uh, tomorrow. So it, it will it will be interesting. It will be interesting. I think that the the players in the team. Well, he, he said there'll be make changes, as you say, but how they line up is, is interesting. I think Gomez will probably go as well. But this was woeful. Yeah. At Norwich. What's your, what's your prediction then, Gav? After oh right okay I've got to do prediction now haven't I yeah <laughs> as you well know I don't know if you see me stats as uh, Ferguson Aston Villa as a player according to some of his worst team to to face didn't score and didn't score in thirteen games I, I read I read that just before we started recording and then a tear just rolled down yeah. my eye just <laughs> yeah and to make matters worse and I'm obliged to say this Gerard Everton were also Gerard's favourite Premier League opponent mm. so. So it's all it's all set well, up, isn't yes. it, for the uh, Aston Villa win? But you know what? I, I just think it's a bit different from two years ago. The players are different. I think the players' relationship with Ferguson is different. I think he's probably got a little bit more pressure on him personally than two years ago. Um, so I think it's going to be a slightly different game to what that Chelsea game was, you know. And Villa are quite offensive, aren't they? Plays well against Man United last week. Um, so, but I'm going to go for a high score and draw. I'm going to go for a high score and draw. I'm going to go for a draw with goals. Uh, two all from me. Okay. Okay. Adam, same to you. How do you think he's going to line up? And then, and then give us your prediction. Yeah, I think 4-4-2 seems, seems like the, the lineup he's going to go for. He was, he was talking in the press conference today about how much he's learned from Carlo Ancelotti and how much of an inspiration Carlo Ancelotti was to him. And we, we know from Carlo's time here that he always preferred... 4-4-2, especially in a defensive sort of setup, he thought 4-4-2 was the best defensive sort of style. And, you know, Ferguson was obviously quite mindful that Everton has to be defensively solid against an Aston Villa team. They're, you know, quite rightly very, very offensive and Everton need to keep them out. Uh, 
I, I am I am more inclined to agree with a four four two if you've got Richarlison and Calvert Lewin as the two men up top because I think Richarlison especially has a tendency to drop off a little bit and he almost becomes like a third man in midfield just playing a little bit further up so he could become something of an an outball to the likes of well I'd presume it would be Alan if fit and Decore if fit it would be the, the two central midfielders in this scenario so he'd drop off and become sort of an outball for them so I'd be I'd be a lot happier with that than if it was you know the Calvert Lewin and Rondon as it was last week. So I'd expect Richarlison to start. It'll be interesting to see who he plays on the on the flanks, I think, because you know, obviously Aston Villa do have Matty Cash on one side and now Luca Dean on the other flank who are fullbacks who love to get forward. Be interesting to see if we if we go with somebody like Townsend, who we know is very defensively capable on the flanks, or whether we stick with the likes of Gordon and Damari Gray to try and pin them back in that sense. I think that's going to be an interesting battle and I personally would play Nathan Patterson and give him his debut at right back because you know, I think it's cool. I think I think it's been long enough essentially I think he's been training with the side for a little bit he you know, when he first joined he, he mentioned Duncan Ferguson's influence didn't he a couple of days after he joined saying he'd you know he's already spoke with him etc etc so perhaps perhaps he's already got a little bit of a connection with Dunk but I think in terms of a result, I do I do agree with Gav's Gav somewhat. I think you know the, the run of form that we've been on recently has just been absolutely horrendous. Uh, I, I, I can't even with you know the the added uh, the, the added atmosphere. I suppppose that Duncan Ferguson will bring. Uh, I, I just I just can't see it having a huge major effect on on the players on the pitch. I think I think it'll be a one-one draw personally. Okay. I'm going to go with B's 2-1 and we will score first. <laughs> Everton will score the first goal. Wow. Probably wildly inaccurate, but there you go. Uh, chaps, thank you very much uh, for your company. Excellent as always. Hopefully everybody at home has enjoyed listening to it. Um, we'll all be at the game. Everybody going to be at the game tomorrow? Everybody there? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. We'll all be there. So um, stick with us online uh, across the weekend. For all the updates, news, opinion, analysis uh, from what hopefully is a return to winning ways as Duncan takes uh, caretaker charge for a second time. Um, excellent. And the boys will be back Monday uh, to reflect on that. And again, we'll be there hopefully Friday. Oh, there's no game next week weekend, is there? So we'll let you know about that one. Excellent, chaps. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.